I'd like us all to just, yeah, kind of sing this as a prayer um, for Grove City, for our college campuses, for our state, um, for our nation, and for the nations of the earth. Um, yeah, to just kind of declare this as a prayer.
my heart and in every heart uh, gathered here this morning and as your people gather all across the face of the earth today, maybe aware that as real as it is for us to come together, whether it's in groups of two or three, or a group like this in a room together, or whether it's in a persecuted church someplace, God, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters right now. Pray specifically for those in Myanmar right now. God, from the highest forms of liturgy, to the most contemporary, we gather under your name. Yeah, we listen to the words of your scripture that tells us that the whole family on heaven and earth our name is your name. So we don't gather in the name of AOX. We don't gather in the name of American Church. We gather in your name, Father. We humble ourselves. And would you make us aware that we are right now seated with you in heavenly places. And more real than we're gathered in this room, we're gathered in your name. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as my sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted into the beloved. Just make us aware of the banquet table where we are blessed with every, every spiritual blessing. Holy, blameless, and accepted.
Let's do one more thing before we leave this moment. Just kind of move from where you are, it's fine. But I just want you to look around the room. I want you to pick one or two children. I want you to just begin to pray blessings on those children. And for parents, I want you to stretch and maybe pray blessings over somebody else's kids. But just begin to pray those blessings right now. If you don't know what to pray, just ask the Holy Spirit. ourselves as we open your word today. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would have the things that I will say, Lord, I pray that you would both create a place of freedom and also, God, any, anything that doesn't need to be said would just be left out. God, and as we have conversation, I pray for confidence and clarity and freedom. God, for every voice. God, I pray that we would be able to share with each other in a way that um, strengthens uh, your your people and that we would be better, God, that each person would bring their part. We love you, God. We bless those who are not here this morning. Pray that you would strengthen them. God, I pray that um, those who are not feeling well, you'd heal their bodies. Just pray protection. Strengthening. Let hunger in our hearts today, God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Jared and Abigail. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I really appreciate Appreciate those who are leading. Um, can you pray? Let's be praying for um, Steph's voice. I really love when Steph is able to lead worship. And she, I don't know if it was in November, but I remember her leading. And it was just like, not only was it good when she was leading, but it, was just, it felt like so much like her. And she was like just really confident in who she was. But her voice has not um, been doing great. And that's something that bothers her. So let's just take a minute and pray for her. Um, I know that right now we're trying to, we're still, it's, it's been a very slow process trying to get to a place where we can 
Um, get more people incorporated in what's happening in worship uh, when we're here. Um, if you're one of the people we've talked to about that, please don't give up. It's just been on a lot of people in and out and sick and all that kind of thing. But that's one of the things I was just really thinking about um, is when God gives us different things that we can do, um, the different things that we carry, it's frustrating we don't feel like there's space for that. So that's not just step with your voice. There's lots of different... How many of you ever felt that way, right? You have something to contribute, but you don't have a place to get it out. Um, let's just pray into that. Let's play into those roadblocks, you know, that can feel like they're limiting us. Um, Jesus, thank you that you come and you destroy the yoke. Um, and also, um, you're able to take care of obstacles for us. Thank you that a part of your gospel is, um, yeah, the, as you make a way, you remove the stones and you remove the tree stumps. And you make a, you make straight places out of the crooked places. And God, I specifically pray for Steph this morning. He would strengthen her body. I pray specifically for her voice. And God, not just for worship, but I thank you for who you've made her to be. And I think I pray, God, any hindrance that would come against her voice being strong. God, that you would do a physical and spiritual work in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I want you to get your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew 6 real quick. Um, I am really conflicted this morning of how to go about diving into some of the things we want to talk about uh, today. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. My dad's here. Gave me a fireball. That, that always helps. All right. Let's see. I want to talk, we're going to, we're going to just talk about prayer some more this morning. And I'm, I'm conflicted because um, there's a part of me that just wants to split up, split up into small groups now and uh, just pray. And there's other parts of me that wants to split up into small groups right now and then give each small group one thing in like 10 minutes and then we'll come back and hear from each other. Um, but I actually think this morning we need to, we'll get to the word first and we'll see where it goes. Okay? So I'm just letting you know that's kind of like the the place that I, I really want to hear from everybody, but I also feel like there's some stuff this morning that will allow a few scriptures to, to kind of pick our way through, but there's going to come a place where I really want to hear what you guys are carrying. Do you have something? Yes. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, that would be great. I just um, like just kind of where we're at. I just feel like the Lord, if we can all join together in unity and pray our time because we learn about Amen. prayer. I just feel like there's something to be unlocked. Amen. I was 
really want to honor you Brad publicly for just all of the prayer that you sow into all of our lives and I just know that so many of my own breakthroughs are because you and Adrian are praying for us and you're just so faithful in prayer and so I just thank you for the tremendous impact that you have in our lives for your willingness to count the cost of time of sleep to be able to pray for us and to, to bring things out of heaven and into the earth for us. And I just really sense that today the Lord has has something that he wants to release through you that will shift our entire community and how we, we view prayer, how we engage in prayer. So I just say yes to that in Jesus' name. And just ask that all of our hearts would just really be tuned in and sensitized to what the Lord has to say today. That we would not be distracted, but that we would really just lean in and apprehend what the Father has for us. Thank you guys for praying. Yeah, I feel so... Um, aware in the last few weeks. I just look around people that are here and as we kind of pray through Adrian, you guys have heard me talk about it before, but Adrian has these prayer alarms that go off all the time. Um, she might to pray for different people at different days of the week, have different people, you know, and different times of day, you know, um, get different prayer. And I, and I feel like whenever I'm with her and those alarms go off, I'm like, oh, you know, like, what am I hearing from the Lord? Because he's speaking and he's talking. And prayer can be a place that is just this ongoing conversation and prayer. But as I look around, I mean, there's people I know um, in our church community who have prayer lives that are so rich and deep and dynamic. Um, and yet there's something I feel like the Lord is really inviting us to go deeper in formation. And specifically, the way that we view prayer uh, individually and then the way that we would grow in prayer together. Because I, I think, and we had a conversation last week, I'm actually going to be disciplined and say, um, if you did not, if you weren't here last week and you did not listen to um, the recording from last week, it's not that I think that what I had to say was so amazing, but I think that the content that we had as a conversation and specifically the idea of, we talked about Ephesians 6, where Paul says to continue to pray in all types of prayer for all the saints. 
we, we heard from each other last week about all types of prayer. And, and some of us are really strong in one type of prayer or one or two types of prayer. And, but we may not engage in the other types. It was kind of funny whenever I asked the question, like, what are some different types of prayer? Jared said listening prayer. And Jared was sitting close to Katie, and Katie had told me recently, you know, that if she has an hour to pray, she probably listens for 55 minutes. And then she came back and she said, no, probably 57 or 58 minutes. That's not how I pray. My prayer is more back and forth, right? But I remember there have been times in my life where it feels like I probably talked for 57 minutes and said, okay, got anything you have to say? I've got to go soon, you know? Uh, but we went through and we talked about a lot of biblically, biblically different types of prayer. Um, and I think that it could be important because I, I really feel like the Lord is inviting us to grow in what it means individually and then collectively. And specifically this. I don't have this, I'm not saying it's going to have this prophetic word about some bad thing that's getting ready to happen. I, I'm saying this in terms of when Paul speaks to Timothy, he talks about um, a farmer, he talks about an athlete, he talks about a soldier. And, and those places of a, a soldier not getting entangled in the things of the world, right? And those things of athletes being trained and ready to run and follow the rules because you can't cheat and, and win a prize. And a farmer being diligent, right? And all of those and all those things, he's calling us into this place of preparation. And I believe that this invitation to really grow in spiritual formation and prayer is about preparation and spiritual formation together. So I really want to encourage you um, not because, no, we're not getting prepared because something bad might happen. We're getting prepared because there's a God who is faithful to what he promised. And he is worthy. And so that's the heart we want to grow in. So, all right? So, at least five times, depending on what uh, translation you use, but at least five times Jesus says this statement that's on, on the board. When you pray. When you pray. In Matthew chapter 6, this prayer... Or this, when he, when he says this, is immediately preceding what we call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the Disciples' Prayer. But it is in response to what Jesus said when they said, teach us how to pray. Okay? Does that make sense? Are we all together on that? Okay? So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to look at several things that happen when we pray. But I think it is, whenever Jesus said, whenever the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Jesus didn't say, okay, for some of you, you're going to have a really, um, it's going to be really important that you have a prayer life. His response to them was, okay, when you pray. So, so prayer is not something I think that we should have like a, a neutral feeling about. And we do it when we, how many of you ever heard this statement? Oh, there's nothing left to do but pray. <laughs> right? Like we all would know that's not a real good perspective for us to have. Right? Prayer is not the last thing we do. Prayer is not... What we do when there's nothing else we can do. Prayer should be the first place we go. And the place we never leave. Okay, so I know we, we talked some, you know, some, uh, some last thing about like idea. Even sometimes action and movement can be prayer. And we're going to get to some of those things and go into to, to, to depth a little bit on that uh, later today. But there are, there are five different things that uh, I was thinking of. There's, we, could, we could do so many. So this is not meant to be an exhaustive theological review of prayer, but there are five things I do think that are relevant this morning, and I do want to spend a little bit of time uh, in, in the last couple 
Um, but there are five things that I want to highlight today, and hopefully as we start having time, so at the, at the end of this month, we'll have a weekend, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday, where we are saying, as much as you can, as a part of our church family, and we're inviting other churches, as we're just calling it the Vision is Jesus weekend. Whenever Derek sent out the message from last week, he said, oh, we're having our Vision weekend. We're not having an AOX Vision weekend, we're having the Vision is Jesus weekend. Right, we're just saying he is worthy of all of our attention. That is our vision. Hopefully at the end of our time today, I'll remember and we'll just finish our time by watching a short, like, three or four minute video about the vision is Jesus. And if you've seen it a hundred times, you won't get bored. If you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, I hope your heart will be captured again because he is worth all of our attention. And there's a way that we can give him all of our attention and still be present in the things that we do around us. Does that make sense? When we understand the priority of prayer and seeking him, it's not that we pray first and then leave prayer and go do something else. We begin to live a lifestyle of prayer and communion. And I can be the most intensely present person in my work and in my relationships, more so by being a man of prayer than I can, right, by trying to just be present with Adrian or Abigail, right? But being in communion with God and living a lifestyle of communion with Him and having regular reminders for different types of prayer is a great way for me to excel in everything else in life because I was made for His presence. So the first thing we'll say about prayer. Prayer is the place where we meet God. Prayer is the place where we meet God. Uh, I got a chance to spend a lot of the day yesterday with my dad, working in a dirty, in our dirty control room downstairs, where the you know the furnace and all those things are. And we found I found papers that haven't been unfolded in 20 years. I've been in that house, and all kinds of other weird things. I had so much fun yesterday being in communion with my dad. So prayer is not a place. There's only a specific place that can only look at maybe Abigail. When she were in the old house, Abigail cleaned out the closet in the hallway, and that was her prayer closet. And I think it's cool to have a prayer closet. But Abigail would get in that little room, and she would meet with the Lord, and I'd be convicted. I'd be trying to do work, listening to her singing and communing with the Lord. It was something beautiful to have a little prayer room. But she doesn't have access to that place anymore. And so if prayer is only about a geography, right? It's a certain, I meet with God with coffee in my journal, and an Instagram post, right? If that's, if that's the only way we know how to be with God, then that's not the place of prayer. Does that make sense, right? So I think the reason I enjoyed yesterday so much because I always got to be in communion with my dad. Even though we were doing things I didn't necessarily want to do. I mean, it was my choice. Does that make sense? My hands were so dirty yesterday. I scrubbed them a lot and took a shower at the end of the day to try to get my hands. I mean, I was touching drill bits. I have no idea where these things originated from. Right? I mean, there's just so much stuff. But I was going through so much stuff and I was in the room with my dad. And, and we had worship music on. And we had conversation. And it was communion with my father. And even doing unpleasant things was a great day. Because prayer is a place where we meet 
So I want you to just highlight and understand this. Prayer is not about just getting things done. Prayer is about communion. Prayer is about meeting with the one that we're praying to. You were created. When God said, let us make man in our image, his desire was communion in the garden. His desire was uninterrupted communion. And so we're going to talk about the effectiveness of prayer in just a couple minutes. But if we start with the priority of seeking a space, the one thing that, that, that David cried out for, the one thing was not getting all my prayer requests answered. And I think sometimes prayer can be difficult for us. How many of you would say this? Prayer can sometimes be difficult because I don't know how it's going to be resolved, how the situation I'm praying about will be resolved. And I almost don't want to be disappointed in God. We need to ask God to lead us into repentance because prayer isn't about getting our way. Prayer is about meeting with him. Does that make sense? Let me, let me say that one more time. Prayer is not primarily about me getting my way. I, I am not a better prayer if my batting average is high. I once met someone who had a, had a statistic of how, what their percentage of healing was. And it really grossed me out. I, I want to be effective in prayer, but listen, I, I don't want to I don't want to look at a prayer request and say, do I think I can get this answered? It has nothing to do with my ability to get a prayer answered. He came and he walked with the people that rejected him. Jesus was not a very effective evangelist. If we're looking at his numbers. Right? And even he's praying things. I mean, have you, have you read his prayers of the city of Jerusalem? So it wasn't just about getting a result. It was about being with the Father. And in those prayers, you'll see his heart to be with the Father. Remember the story whenever... Um, Peter comes looking for Jesus because they had a healing service the night before and everybody was excited and not everybody had gotten healed went back and got other people to come back and they're looking for Jesus and you remember where he's at? He was out hanging out with the Father. He said he rose early in the morning and he went to be with the Lord went to be with his Father. And Peter said, oh, we found you, finally, we were looking for you. And Jesus said, oh, I can't go back there. The Father wants us to go on. So prayer being a place where we meet with him is important because, because communion is the priority. That allows us to live our life being directed by his steps, by his presence. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but how many of you have had specific times where through prayer you discerned God leading you to do something that did not make sense to someone around you? Okay? Now, it's important as we connect these dots, okay, because we're going to talk at the end about the importance of us. We're talking about the beginning more about our personal prayer lives. We're talking at the end about our collective prayer life. I've had people, I just talked to your pastor this week, and he's concerned because he feels like this one person they're discipling, they've heard like 17 different things from the Lord in the last few months. And he recognizes 
that this new believer is like learning and growing and it isn't completely got all the whole perspective yet. But this person's kind of like almost on the edge of like falling apart. Because it almost feels like um, God can't make it as much. Right? So it's important that when we're, we're sensing these things, we're not just by on our, on our own with this. But listen, I can never lean on, I can never lean not on my own understanding if I'm not in communion with him. Right? We don't wait until we're in these big moments to find God's will. We walk in his will. That's his will. For us to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. Does that make sense? Right? So we don't wait until, you know, I remember when I was in high school, what is God's will for what college I will go to? It felt this huge decision. But then that was kind of the place where just recognizing, no, it's not about who I'm going to marry or what my career is going to be, those big things. His will is for me to walk with him. And when I walk with him, I can take another step. It's just another day with him. Does that make sense? All right. Communion. Everybody say communion. communion. All right. Hebrews. Can I come back to Hebrews chapter 11? So the highlight for Matthew 6 is this. When you pray, there's all kinds of things we can learn from what he says after that. But it's, it's when and not if. Not if you pray. But when you pray. This is his instructions to his friends. When you pray. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's start reading verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and it was not found and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's a cool testimony, isn't it? He had this testimony that he pleased God. And then the writer goes on, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who are diligent and they're seeking of him. What does the word diligent mean? Persistent. Persistent. How many of you know that God answers, or God listens to us, right? He, he listens to us. It, it bugs me in that song where it said, I waited patiently on the Lord. Why do I have to wait patiently on the Lord? Wait, 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 wait. Becky said it certainly grows us. Even the way that this God who is always... Is there any place you can go where he's not? So us waiting patiently on him isn't because we're actually waiting on him, on his side. But there's something in the waiting that's good for us. There's something in the waiting that builds us up. How many of you love the word diligent? <laughs> Patience and diligence is just not, like they're not top, top level words that people love. I kept reading that love is patient thing a few years ago and I got frustrated and I was like, I'm going to look for a different translation. And I said, love suffers long. I said, I think we're going back to patient. Right? <laughs> is not like easy. You're not a diligent microwaver. You know, it's like, oh, I 
diligently hit that 30 second button. You know, that's not. Wait, there's something, but there's something in seeking him. If, if there's not a place I can go where he's not, why do I have to seek him? If we ask God to fill the room with his presence, is that bad theology because he's already here? Or is there something that we can understand about growing in a hunger for his presence to come and continue to come? Have you ever encountered, whether it be on your own or in a, with a group of people, have you ever encountered the presence of God in the way that you could tell there was a weightiness to it? And in that weightiness, was there something that made you hungry for more of that? I remember this morning as, as you guys were praying, and Anna, I really appreciate her asking people to pray, but it went back to a, a moment when we were, um, I was pastoring in North Carolina, and there was four elders, and we were all just seeking the Lord, and, and we thought, I wonder what would happen if we just were quiet and waited on the Lord. And I remember that morning, it was like, all like it was diligent for about two minutes. It was it. It's all that we could. It was almost like uncomfortable as that group of people did not know how to wait on the Lord together. I, I'm saying this in a way. It's like two minutes seemed like a long time, but just a few months later, we could spend an hour. But at the beginning, two minutes. I remember I received a prophetic word. I went to uh, Grandpa Jim's house uh, when I first met him, and they used to do these things. We had people prophesy over you, and they had these old tape players. I didn't know what was going on. There'd be someone like praying for you. There's someone with a tape recorder up in your face while it's happening. And then they take the tape out and give it to you at the end. He was like, "Oh, that's cool. I, you know, got a word and a tape. You know." So one of my one of my tapes, uh, one of my prophetic stories was on a tape that had been taped over from IHOP before it was IHOP. It was just whenever Mike Bickle was first starting to teach on like prayer room stuff and like 24-7 prayer and worship. And it was really, really old. And so he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to focus here on Psalm 27. And we're going to try, just we're going to just focus on 27 and then we're going to try to go 90 seconds singing spontaneously. And you could feel how uncomfortable it was for the people in that tape because it just wasn't something culturally accepted. What does it mean to diligently seek the Lord? I feel like there's so many places in the body of Christ right now that could, that could easily go for an hour just spontaneously worshiping the Lord and it wouldn't feel like that much of a stretch. But where are the places in your own walk with God that requires diligence for you to seek him. I think maybe one of those places could be what I mentioned before. Sometimes we don't know how to pray because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't get our prayers answered. And he's asking us to diligently seek him with his confidence, right? He says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Look at it again, verse six. For he who comes to God, say comes to God, we read last week in the Psalms how about how we can come into his presence and then it calls that prayer. I think this coming to God, we can say, is a lifestyle of communion and prayer. A lifestyle of coming to God. I believe in being born again. I think it is important. 
But being born again is just the beginning of your relationship with God. Do we agree on that, right? Being born again is not the bowling, it's not the pins at the end of the alley. It's the little, it's the first arrow on the lane. It's, 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 the, it's the entry point, but it's not the end. This is a lifestyle of coming to him. And as he's coming in, we have to believe two things, it says. Number one, that he is. Let's believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I would just say that it is in the process of communion, it's in the process of persistently communing with him, that we encounter what Paul talked about to the Corinthians, where we behold him face to face and we are transformed and made like him. So I think, first of all, prayer is about communing and just being with him. Secondly, prayer has got less to do with me getting what I want and more to do with me being changed to be like him. This is a time of transformation. This is a face-to-face encounter. We could look at James, and we could, we could see the same thing in James as we see that Paul talking about in Corinthians, that when we continue, when we look into the perfect law of liberty, I will submit to you that both in the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ, that's where we find the law of freedom. The law of freedom that we have in Him but we continue. It says when we don't continue, we deceive ourselves. And it can be easy for us to, to digest content and information and that not actually be something that is transformative to us. Does that make sense? Yes? You guys together with me? Halfway? So there's something about diligent and we must believe that we will find him when we diligently seek him. Can you think of any other scriptures that say that? Let's get some interaction. Any other scriptures talk about finding him when we're seeking him? Yep. Luke, the idea of seek, not keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. Becky, you said Psalms. Yeah, word for in the Psalms. Jeremiah chapter 27. I will be found with you when you seek with me with your whole heart. Okay, there's lots of other places that back these up. Okay, um, let's move on. All right. So we've talked about communion. We've talked about the fact it's transforming for us personally. Then there's this crazy thing that I don't understand, but he wired it this way. He says that he answers us when we call out. So when I was a little kid in Sunday school, I heard, yeah, I learned God's telephone number. Anybody else ever learned God's telephone number? It's Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things even on. We have not done it. I am behind. But my dad has got a stack of index cards. And what I really want to do is for my dad and my daughter and I to write like a little prayer devotional out of these index cards because these were the index cards that I learned how to pray from. And there are all these scriptures. And Jeremiah 33.3 was one of those scriptures. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know. Jeremiah 32.17 was another one. Our Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power 
and you're stretched out arm, and nothing is too hard for you. It is crazy to me that the God of heaven has decided that the way he wants us to interact with him is what he reveals in Hebrews, where he says, come boldly before me, come boldly before the throne of grace that he made to obtain mercy in a time of need. It is, it is God's plan that we come to him, that we cry out to him. And so prayer is not just communion. Prayer is not just a place where I make more like but prayer is also a place where James says it can be effective, the effectual, the effective, fervent prayer of righteous men avail much. So prayer is a place where things happen. And so that can be, confu that be confusing to anybody else but me. Am I supposed to be communing there? Am I supposed to be, like, you know, being changed there? Or am I supposed to be getting things done? Like, it's all of it. It's like yesterday was. Like, I got to commune with my dad. I just got to be with him. We're in the same room. We're, we're talking. We're worshiping. It was good. But a lot of things were also happening in that time. And I think as we, as we get these things in the right order, this makes sense, if prayer is first about communing with him, then I'm not using him to get something done. Does that make sense? Right? Hey, God, it's great to be with you, but what I really have is I have this list of things we need to talk about. When Jesus begins to teach the disciples how to pray, he starts with you say, pray, our Father. The first thing that he does is not jumping into this place of like, okay, this is what we need from you. The first place he's teaching his friends to come pray is he's, he's teaching them the relational aspect, not only with God, but with each other. It was not my father, it was our father. And so as we come in that kind of, of way into prayer, into that effective, fervent prayer that James talks about, there's a place, if we can understand, this is about me communing with God, and then what happens as a result of communing with him is he's going to change my heart. I don't come to him with my agenda. And I think that one of the things that God wants to do and stretch us and grow us in prayer is we can release the anxiety that we carry about maybe what if I pray and don't get the answer met if I commit to those first two aspects of prayer. If I commit to the first part of, yes, I'm coming to be with you and I'm inviting you in the midst of your presence to change me, then nothing that I'm bringing to him becomes more important than him. It is important to him, but it's not the idol that I'm actually worshiping. And sometimes I would say outcomes can become idols. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can I? Yes. Just an observation. So, like, it falls on my spirit that what you're talking about is maturity. Mm -hmm. Because when we're little children, we do come to our parents with an agenda. We are always coming to them from a place of need because they're meeting our needs. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a matter of maturity. But as now my children are adults mm -hmm. and they are sourcing from within, hopefully, yeah. then it is a lot more about spending quality time with each other and it's a lot more back and forth. Well, and it's in the process, and you actually, um, I remember you sharing this on the scripture, you know, it's really beautiful, but it's the process of a faithful father taking care of us that leads us to trust. We become like a weaned child, right? That's able to be at rest, right? And so it's in the it's 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 a both and thing for sure. 
but I, I agree with you, this is a place of growing up in it. And at least, I know everybody didn't have this experience, but I think more than, I knew that whenever I was with my mom and dad, I mean, I knew I was gonna get, I had to do what I needed to do. I knew I was gonna be taken care of, but I also knew I was gonna be loved. And that, you know, whenever I talk about that, when I get invited to go places and talk about um, identity, I really mean it. Like, I never can remember a day in my life that I haven't known I was loved completely. And that's such a crazy advantage in life. That we can live that way, being 100% confident that we are loved, that we are wanted, that we are accepted, that we belong. And when we live that way, right? And again, I had a picture of that in my mom and dad, but when we live that way, knowing that there's a father who fully loves us, then we can be confident to create that for somebody else. That doesn't reside in me. That, that goodness does not reside in me, right? So if, if my spiritual gifts really is hugs, kind of like, it's really humbling because like, it doesn't reside in me. I can't, I can't take credit for love because love didn't source from me. That makes sense? But if we can be humble and understand that like, we are fully loved and because we're fully loved, then we have love to share. We're fully accepted. And, and with that, then, we can come to a place where we know that he really does want us to come when we have things. Have you ever been hesitant to bring a request to the Lord because you, like, almost like you, you didn't want to make it too much about the thing? And so it's like there's something he really wants to hear about from you. He already knows, and it's easy for us to kind of shift and be like, well, he, doesn't, he already knows. I don't really need to ask him. But he wants us to. Call it to me. I will answer you. And there's so many other places that Scripture talks about that. Okay? Does that make sense? Right, we're we're going to move on. Yes, Father. I'm just going to say that there is not just a tremendous jealousy. And the reason why he wants us to come to him and defend us of him is because he is the answer. He wants us to have confidence and faith that he's the answer. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing too hard for him. And so, you know, if we understand that and live in that, it makes it much, much easier for them then when we come to God, when we have a burden or when we have a care, and we cast our cares upon Him, that we know that He knows what's best for us. That we not only is He able to do, He's seeing us what we want, but He wants to do for us what's best for us. That's good. That's good. All right, so we talked about three of these five things. We're going to try to get these last two in, and then hopefully we'll have an assignment for next week, okay? Here are the first three. Ready? Communion. It's about communion. Secondly, it's about me being transformed. And then third, it's effective. It's an effective... Uh, I love that scripture in, in James. The affection, the affection, fervent prayer of righteousness, it makes a difference. Don't think he's a big God, nothing I say will matter. It does. He's made himself vulnerable to your heart. And vulnerable to your cross. All right, number four. Place in, our prayer is the place where he makes us strong. There was conversations in several of the small groups last week when we were breaking out in here about the idea of prayer edifying ourselves. And in all the conversations I ended up having, it's kind of like, does it make sense to you that like um, to build each other up? Does that make sense? That's a worthy goal. Is it some spiritual gifts are used to build each other up? But it can be easy sometimes to feel better about building someone else up than building yourself up. 
And it's weird because depending on like the theological um, slant you'll go to, like sometimes there'll be an argument over prophecy or praying in tongues. Well, prophecy builds other people up and praying in tongues only builds up yourself. Yeah, but both of them are given by gifts up from God for a purpose. And we don't have to choose between one or the other. So turn to the, to the book of Jude. We're going to read um, one verse here, and then we'll go and just read a few verses uh, out of what Paul said to the Corinthians. Because I want to take the emphasis in this idea of what it means to pray the Spirit off of tongues. If you want to have a conversation about tongues, I'd love to have a conversation with you about tongues. I think it's one of the most uh, misunderstood things in Scripture. And I think that because typically it's been interpreted through theological camps, like, it's really easy for that idea to become like uh, just a, um, it gets interpreted by your camp. Instead of like, let's look at what God's word has to say about it, okay? So, Jude, down in verse number 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. There's a really interesting passage at the end of this short, short book, short, short letter, okay? And... Um, at the beginning of this passage, he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Uh, you're going to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to build a bridge to that in just a minute, but those two things are linked in Scripture in several places. In fact, I would just say to you, if you just were to go and look up, like go put in Google, Scriptures on Prayer, you will find a lot of Scriptures just on prayer, the deal with the strength of the Lord. The deal with the strength of God. And you'll find it in the Old Testament and you'll find it in the New Testament. You'll find it in the Psalms and you'll find it in the stories. And so there's something about prayer that is linked to this idea of our own strength. Right? I can lean on my own strength or I can come to Him in prayer and I can receive strength from God. So building myself up or strengthening myself in the Lord, there's a beautiful picture uh, in, the, in the life of David where David went through a travesty and the Lord said that David strengthened himself in the Lord. What did he do? How did he strengthen himself in the Lord? How many of you grew up uh, in school where you used phonics? When I was a little kid. All the commercials were hooked on phonics, worked for me. You know, it's like there was this idea of phonics, and drilling was a big part of phonics. Have you ever went through phonics drills? Anybody? Yep. Yep. When I was in kindergarten, I learned that A says ah, 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 as an apple. And I could probably go through and tell you a lot of other things that didn't, didn't, right? I can, I can go and do all that stuff. It was drilled into me. Prayer is one way. Worship is one way of allowing truth to be drilled into our spirit. Jesus says when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who use vain repetition, but that doesn't mean repeating things is vain. 
I find scriptures and I bring myself and anchor myself in those scriptures. And whenever my dad had those drill, those, those three by five cards for his memory verses, that was just like phonics drill cards, flashcards. They were my prayer flashcards. Oh Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and earth with your great power and stretched out hands and nothing is too hard for thee. He might go through those three by five cards three or four times a day, but he did it every day of the week. And those three by five cards just became a place. Why do we repeat stuff when we sing? Honestly, sometimes it takes me a couple minutes just to get actually focused on what I'm doing. I used to get annoyed when I go play saying, we're just going to wait on the Lord. It's like, why didn't you do that before we got here? No, they're not waiting on the Lord because they don't know what they're going to do. They're waiting on the Lord because we just stop and take a minute and all get focused on Jesus. There's something about praying in the spirit and having disciplines of prayer that are like drills for our spirit. Does that make sense? Whether that is using a book of common prayer, whether whatever uh, it means in the season of life that you're in, having disciplines in prayer and having ways where your Holy Spirit, excuse me, <coughs> where your prayer with the Holy Spirit is not just like, well, if it happens, it happens. I'm thankful for the fact that God is with us always and we can pray wherever we want to, but if that means I'm never taking time to be with Him in prayer, I'm missing, I'm, I'm allowing His availability to breed familiarity with me instead of intimacy. Does that make sense? Yes? It does? Okay. I never would allow the fact that I belong, oh, I never would allow the fact that I know I belong with him and have access to him take away from the diligence of seeking him. I once heard that Christianity is a bad religion because that's not hard enough. We don't have to do these crazy things and jump through hoops to get God to answer. So it's not really a good religion. I mean, he will listen to us if we don't fast. We don't have to pilgrimage to some place to get him to meet with us. So he created this opportunity as a place of intimacy. But it can be easy to allow access to become a place that promotes familiarity instead. And so in this in this space of praying in the spirit as a place of, of growing, making strong, I, I, I think that, let's go back over to 1 Corinthians um, and we'll read what Paul says about this. But I think that this has become one of those places that if you think about praying in the spirit and all you can think of is tongues, we're missing the point of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a technique. Does that make sense? Yes, no? Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, I think this is important and I want to make sure that we don't just um, pass over this. Let me, I'm going to say that again more for myself than for you. But if praying in the spirit is just about tongues, then we're focused more on the technique than we are the relationship. Now, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? No, I've said that. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Okay, praying in tongues, is, and we're going to read, why we're saying that, we're going to read that in just a minute. What's that, but are there other ways you can pray in the Holy Spirit without praying in tongues? What are some, what are some other ways you can pray in the Holy Spirit without praying in tongues? Did you say something, Mom? 
Okay, just praying. I think specifically anytime that we're in a place of praying, like you feel prompted to pray, and I'm willing to be obedient in that prayer, I think that's a prayer that's led by the Holy Spirit. You can do that as a lifestyle. You can wait on the Lord and, and make space for that. Or you can do that almost like almost like whenever there's like your, your urge to, you can do that. Does that make sense? Do you remember Romans 8 where Paul talks about there's times where you don't know how to pray? He doesn't mention anything about tongues in that passage. But he says there's times the Holy Spirit's going to pray with groanings that can't be uttered. So there's times where I don't know how to pray. How many of you ever had times you don't know how to pray? Does that mean you don't? Sometimes. Sometimes I find myself choosing other things and avoiding prayer. Okay? But the times that I don't, the times that I'm all pressing and lean into him, those times are really special. Let's read up, let's just read a couple of scriptures here and then we'll, um, so 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 uh, are all really important in this topic. And if you're hungry, I would encourage you to just take some time this week, maybe to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 over and over and over again. And just allow it to sink in. Because they're often read um, separately and, and we kind of miss where they fit together. But let's read in, in verse four, or chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So he is talking about something here that's really important. And we're, uh, again, I'm willing to have conversations with any, anybody individually or maybe deeper in this later. But what do we call it whenever we are not speaking to men, but speaking to God? What did you say? Prayer. prayer. We call prayer when we are speaking to God. Now, there are other times in the New Testament where the idea of tongues is not about talking to God. For instance, in Acts chapter 2, whenever they heard them speak with other, other tongues, that was not, they were actually up there speaking and the miracle that took place was as they're up there talking, as the, as the disciples or apostles are up there talking, there's this miracle and everyone heard them in their own tongues. That's, that's one instance. That's different than what's happening here. There's also an instance later on where it talks about, hey, I want, I'd rather you speak uh, in a language when you're together. When you come together, it's better that you would say just a few words in understanding than a bunch of words that people can't understand. But if you do have a message from God for people in tongues, then it needs to look like this. But here he's saying, let's read that again, because this is important. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that we prophesy, but he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoken with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he indeed interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, again, there's a lot more here that because of what this time is about, we're not going to go into, but this is really important here. 
Because later, Paul's going to say this. He's going to say, hey, when I speak in tongues, my spirit is edified. When I sing in tongues, my spirit is edified. When I pray in my understanding, my understanding is edified. And when I pray in the spirit, my, or when I pray, when I sing in, in my understanding, my understanding is uh, edified. So he goes back and he contrasts this idea between praying and singing in the spirit and praying and singing in understanding. And he said, what am I going to do? He says, I'll do both. Now, I want you to remember what I said at the beginning. I think for the purpose of what we're talking about today, that building ourselves up, edifying ourselves, being strengthened is a part of prayer. And I don't believe that's about what God gives some people's this spiritual gift and not others. I believe the invitation to pray in the Spirit is out there for everyone. And what he's talking about here, he talks about how that can be through a language where you're praying mysteries to God or singing mysteries to God. But the importance is this. What he says is, what will I do? I will both pray in my understanding and pray in the Spirit. I will sing in my understanding and sing in the Spirit. Why? Because there's an importance in not only my, edify, my, my mind being edified, my understanding being edified, but also my spirit. Why do we get downcast? Why do we get discouraged? Listen, that is a part of what it means to journey in this life. But there is a place where prayer becomes a place where he makes us strong. And listen, I will tell you what, I'm, what I sense in this, not just this room in this moment, but our community right now, both Grove City, our specific church family, and our church family that's spread abroad. There have been seasons where people have gone through immense discouragement. And for us to know how to be able to build ourselves up is important, but for us to be able to know how to come alongside each other and pray with each other and for each other is really important. We have walked through sorrow. We have walked through heartache. And I thank God for every resource and help that can be made available to us, but he must be our strength. He needs to be our portion. And again, other resources aren't wrong, but anything we would elevate above him is idolatry. So it's not him instead of, but it's him first. Does that make sense? It's really, really important that we seek him first, and then everything else comes out of that. Does that make sense? Yeah? Please, if you have questions about this last part, talk to me. All right, last thing for today. I love this part. Jesus says, where two or three, he says this a couple times, where two or three. One is, where two or three gather in my name. The other thing is, where two or three on earth agree about touching anything, and we done in heaven. Now, the cool thing about this is, well, a couple of things. One, it took, does anybody remember the number from, if you went through um, UC Bones, was it 30 men that it took, or was it 10, or 30 men it took to have like a, a meeting? In the Jewish system, I took, I, I can't remember the number, but it was, it was specifically like either 10 males or 30 males in order to convene a meeting. But when Jesus is saying, where two or three of you gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. His quorum is you plus anyone equals him in the midst. That's important. It's accessible. He really, really wants, not only for us to have a prayer closet time, where we go. Does he want us to have a secret place time? Absolutely. Is a secret place prayer lifestyle important? Absolutely. Your individual communion with God. If you find you can only pray with other people and never pray alone, that's probably a sign that that part of you needs to develop more. 
But there is something collective about prayer because he shows up in the midst of us. And so prayer is about communing, but it can also be collective. And I think that this is really a place that we both are being invited into to grow in the way that we pray as individuals, as living stones that are being fit together in a house, but we're also growing in a place where we can come together and pray. There are things that... Um, I think I'll say this. My prayer, from what Becky said earlier, is that we would mature together as a people. So there'd be less unspoken prayers. It's not that if you have something that's tender to your heart that you can't make it something that's private. You can't. You're allowed to completely. But I believe when we understand the beauty of what God has called us to in prayer together, we will have more that we're willing to share. And in the midst of being vulnerable and transparent, I believe we'll see God move. Not just in a way that we get more, but in a way that puts his goodness and his glory on display. There are people around our lives right now, some that we know that are part of our church family, some that are our neighbors. And their lives are filled with so much pain and heartbreak. And I believe that as we partner with heaven and with each other to pray, we can see God move. We can see God do things that we cannot do on our own. But if we don't partner in prayer, even if it happens, right? So it's, it's kind of like this. Jesus said we would be witnesses. How many of you have seen God do amazing things? It's beautiful, right? But have you ever had the experience where you've come together with a group of people and you've prayed and then you've seen them answer that prayer? What is it like to witness that together? It's so much faith and confidence comes into that. That is a place that we need to grow. That is a place that we need to grow. Any thoughts or um, comments before we, we close in prayer? Yes, go ahead, thank you. Um, I, I just was talking with Jonathan this week about um, how there is so much more power for us that to tap, that we're not alone. There's so much more power for us to tap into because it's sort of like there's the cell of the tree that functions on its own, but then that's a part of this huge whole, you know, and so as you were talking, it was like, when we're alone, it's almost like God shows us who we are and what our function is. Then we come together, and we are like built up and strengthened in who we are and what our function is. So number one, nobody can tell us you're, you're illegitimate and you shouldn't be functioning that way. This is how you should function. You should function the way I do. Nobody can tell us that. But... Rather, we can come together and function as a body in unity because we do know who we are we, and we, are, we have a strong clear voice in what we bring to the table. And so we are so much more together that it's really essential that we be healthy and strong and whole with him in our purpose. That's good. That's good. All right, so I want to... Give you an invitation slash assignment. No, I want to try. 
Okay, so uh, these, these are the five things we talked about today. Communion, transformation, effective, edifying, and then collective. Here's what I would like for you to think about this week. So it's kind of two-part thing. One, where are the places just in that continuum? Those things we highlighted today. Where are the places that you want to really focus for growth in prayer? Communion. Having a perspective of prayer being a place of personal transformation. Effective prayer. Edifying prayer. And then collective prayer. That's the first thing. Focus, let's, let's ask God for a, uh, a place to focus on. Okay? Second thing is this. When it comes to collective prayer, you don't need to wait for somebody else to organize something. What, what's the threshold? How many does it say that it takes for us to gather with him and he made the midst? Okay, so I don't think it should be, how many of you agree with this? It should not be 100% your responsibility to have to make that happen. Do you agree with that? Okay. So what I should do is you can just go every other day. So if it's maybe not your responsibility today for you to be collective with somebody else, you can take every other day. So maybe tomorrow it's your responsibility to reach out to someone. And you don't have to get the other big prayer meeting, but if you just said, hey, Jerry, do you have five minutes today? We can pray. Don't get rejected if Jerry does it. But I would like to say, if we stopped allowing collective prayer being on somebody else's job to organize and started thinking, is there someone that I know that I can pray with today? Or every other day. It'll get us out of this place where we feel isolated or waiting for someone to organize prayer. It's, it can be as simple as a text message to say, hey, do you have a few minutes we can pray today? Now, if you are committed to practice that, and you struggle finding a better person, please let me know. I will help. And I mean that sincerely. But I remember 18 months ago, as we were kind of processing, like it was after the first COVID spike, and we didn't know the next one was coming. But we felt like the Lord was stirring in our hearts to get stronger groups of three or four. And I remember saying, how many of you would be willing to read the Bible if someone reached out to you? Everybody raised their hand. I was like, all right, if you have your hand raised, everybody stand up. Everybody stood up. I was like, okay, that's as much organizing as we're going to do. Why? Because we can make a bunch of things happen, but then you're dependent on somebody else creating that opportunity for you. And that doesn't allow you to be able to own and, and, and take ownership of that opportunity for you to grow in that place. So even the collective, so focus those five, what are the places in your own individual life? So let's cultivate the secret place. But then let's also try to stretch this week and everybody be willing to invite someone else into prayer, okay? Make sense? Cool, all right. God, we know that prayer is not a, uh, some task that we just have to get better at, but it is an amazing invitation by you to come together to be with you into your presence. God, as we have taken time to worship, we come back to the fact that when we call you to answer, that you are a faithful rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So God, would you stretch us this week? Stretch us in our diligence. Stretch us in our patiently waiting on you. 
Father, I pray that each person would be encouraged to go deeper and grow deeper in our individual prayer lives. And God, may we be a church that is growing in prayer. And I pray that as we begin to connect more and more with other churches here in Grove City and from around the region, and we pray for them, God, that you would begin to build a prayer net over this region that's more than an event. But truly, it's a movement of grassroots prayer. And may every, God, wouldn't it be beautiful that if every block in this town had a lighthouse of prayer on it? Wouldn't it be amazing, God? What would it look like for us to live in a, in, a, in a town where every child who was in school was prayed for by name every week? God, do it in your people. Do it in us. Do it in me. We love you, God. We say yes to you. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm going to send that video out. So you guys, please, when you get a video this week, also the AMX text, please take a few minutes. I think it's like three, four, five minutes long. Um, please take some time to watch it. And that way you'll have it. You can watch it again. It's just a poem. But it's, it's for me, it's been something that's been a good thing in the last... Uh, 15, 20 years just to go back in here to help remember this is really all about him. And I don't want to fall in love with my own life so much. I forget that. All right? Blessings, you guys. We love you. If you need prayer, ask someone to pray with you before you leave. Amen. <laughs>
It was like whenever I was a kid, special ed was like you take people who need it, you put them in a room, and whether they learned anything, it's kind of. And then mom just kind of like learned all these things, and she had a kid who was like struggled to pass like seventh grade. I mean, he ended up graduating, a salutatorian of his class, got all these academic scholarships for college, and just, he just needed to like have somebody know how to like help him with where, where he was at. And it was awesome. And then she came after she got certified. She came and she. Yeah, you, you definitely were at least ADD. <laughs> Probably. That is plus. Like, once you take so many classes, you just know. Like, that's just it's much more widespread. Kid might come out of out of the classroom for like thirty minutes, and she would work with them and do skill, you know, stuff with them and, and give them tools. Go back in, just awesome. So there's something about you, and I was trying to figure it out because you don't. She doesn't look like Elena, but there's something about her that reminds me of, of Elena, and I can't figure it out. But we have someone I love very very much, um, a young woman from Brazil who came whenever she was probably, gosh, probably 19 or 20 the first time. And we just kept up on social media for a while. And then she messaged me like five years later. And we messaged back and forth. And she signed it like your Brazilian daughter. And I gave her my phone to Adrian. I was like, Adrian, you have to pray. And so God did a miracle. And she was able to come back and do a visit with her sister like the next year. Like her mom randomly says, if that client from like two years ago pays their bill, I'll, I'll pay for this year. And like a month later, the client paid the bill. And she was like, so then she came and she lived in the street. So she is a crazy big part of our lives. We're missing her so bad right now. But there was a couple times today, something, I was like, oh my gosh, Elena's sitting there. What's your twin thing? Oh, really? What's her major? She's secondary math education, so high school math. Cool. Did you guys talk about not majoring in the same thing? Where, where did you do camp test? Okay. Okay. That's cool. But I they have a camp they have all sorts of ages. 